let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Many years ago, there was a very serious drought in the region of Enketia. Rain had not fallen for many months. The crops were withering in the ground and the people were hungry. It seemed like there was no way out. So on Sunday morning, the pastor of the local church stood up and said, Tomorrow we are going to fast and pray for rain. And all the people clapped and decided to come the next day. And sure enough, the next day, they began coming. First, the elder of the church came. He was wearing a suit and tie. He carried a very big Bible. He walked up the path to the church. And when he saw the pastor, he greeted him. Pastor, good morning. The pastor said, oh, elder, have you come to pray for rain? The elder said, yes, you told us to come. I'm here to pray for rain. The pastor said, elder, we do not need you today. Please, you can go home. Hey! The elder was surprised. He said, but pastor, you told us to come and pray for rain. The pastor said, it's okay, it's okay. Please, you can go home. We don't need you. The elder was very offended. He took his big Bible and he went home. The next to come was the choir mistress. Her blush matched her eyeshadow. Her eyeshadow matched her lipstick. Her lipstick matched her earring. Her earring matched her polish. Her polish matched her belt. Her belt matched her shoe. Her shoe matched her bag. She was an image of beauty. She came walking up the path. She said, good morning, Pasta. He said, oh, fire mistress, have you come to pray for rain? She said, yes. He said, thank you. We don't need you. Please, you can go home. She said, ah, but Pasta, you told me to come and pray for rain. I'm here. He said, don't worry. You can go. She was offended. She picked her bag that matched her shoe, that matched her belt, that matched her polish, and she went home. And so they came one by one. In fact, every single member who came to pray for rain, the pastor sent them home until at the very end, there was one old lady with no much hair, gray hair. She was missing teeth. She was walking slowly. She came walking up the path. And when the pastor saw her, he said, Hey, mama. Hey, good morning, y'all. Welcome. Hey, mama, come. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hey. They went inside and prayed. You may be wondering why the pastor drove every member of the church, but this old woman, missing teeth with thin gray hair, walking with a cane, he invited her in and they started to pray. But if you had been there, you would have seen what the pastor saw and you know why he drove everybody and welcomed this old woman. Because of all the people who came to pray for rain, only this woman had the evidence of faith for she held in her hand an umbrella. And when the pastor saw the umbrella, he said, this woman has faith. She's expecting. She's believing God. And they went inside the church. And it wasn't five minutes before rain started falling on the zinc roof. And the old lady put up her umbrella. And she danced all the way home saying, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. God saw her faith. And she saw God move. The Lord sent me here today to ask you a question. Where is your umbrella? Where is the evidence of faith? 
For when you want to see God move in your life, God wants to see your faith. I came to tell you today that God has a plan for your life. I came to tell you today that God wants to move in your life. I came to tell you that the heavens are opening and there's a sound of abundance rain. I came to tell you today that God has something more in your life. If you believe it, say amen. And he's ready to pour out an abundance, an outpouring from heaven. He's ready to move in your life. Are you ready? Because God wants to give you more. Let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we come before you today with expectation. Right now in the spirit, we put up our umbrella, expecting an outpouring, expecting the rain to fall, expecting you to move in our midst in a mighty way. We submit to you. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to come and move in our hearts, and open up our eyes to see what you want to do in our lives, to see your plan, to have your vision, and to receive more from you. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for coming as well. Thank God for the power of his Holy Spirit that is in our midst. Because I'm here to tell you there is something more. God has a plan for your life. God has a vision for your life. God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. He's got a vision of more. And he's getting ready to pour out more in your life. And more in this church. And more in the elders. And more in the deacons. And more in the workers. And more in every member of a Redeemer's Chapel. Give the Lord some praise. I believe there's more and we need a vision of more today. That's what our text tells us in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Now receive the word of the Lord. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I pray Press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. I don't know about you, but I love this passage. This is a powerful confession from the Apostle Paul himself. He wrote these words towards the end of his life. These are words of passion to move us. These are words of persuasion to convince us. These are words of power to impart to us. These are words that will help us figure out how to receive more. So let's break them down and discover three steps to more. And here's your first step today. Expect more. Tell your neighbor, expect more. Listen again to what Paul says in verses 12 and 13. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. 
But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And here in these verses, we see an amazing testimony from the Apostle Paul. He readily admits he has not achieved everything. He readily admits that he's not achieved and fulfilled everything that God has for him. He's declaring that he's fallen short and not experienced everything that God has. And there is still something more. He knows there's something greater. There's a greater destiny, a greater anointing, a greater inheritance, a greater outpouring than what he's seen. And he's not just talking about heaven. He's talking about here on this earth. We know that he intends to experience more in this life because he says, I press on to possess it. So the apostle knows there's more. He knows there's more in this life and he's expecting more. He's reaching for more. And in that, it should make all of us pause and think because this is the great Apostle Paul at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, and declaring there's something more. And if there's something more for Apostle Paul, then there's something more for every single one of us. After all, Paul was one of the greatest apostles who ever lived. This was a man who met Jesus face to face. Hey! Nobis Martino. This was a man who experienced God in ways most of us have never experienced. He went to the third heaven. Hey! He wrote most of the New Testament. He planted churches in many countries. He preached to the multitudes. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. This is one of the greatest apostles ever to live, yet he says there is still something more. I've not attained. I've not finished. I'm pressing on. And if there's something more for Apostle Paul, then there's something more for us. Somebody shout more. You may have been in the faith for 10 years. You may have been a Christian for 20 years. You may have been a Christian for 30, 40, even 50 years. You may be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You may be an archbishop, a reverend doctor. You may have been to Bible college and seminary. You may even have gone to cemetery, but there's still something more. Do you believe there's something more? Because see, you have to believe it in order to receive it. You can't receive what you don't believe exists. Hebrews eleven six says this, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God is, number one, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So you will not receive what you don't perceive. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. That's the lesson we can learn from a man named Oscar Stoller. Oscar Stoller was born and raised very, very poor in North Dakota, USA. He was born in a mud house in North Dakota. He never attended high school. Hey! He never owned his own home. For 70 years, he worked as a farmer on his family's land. They struggled to pay the children's school fees. They struggled to pay the bills. He and his wife, Lorraine, were poor, and life was not easy. But then one day in 2008, something happened that changed their lives. Some representatives of an oil company came, and they said geological surveys tend to indicate that there's oil on your land under the ground. They asked permission to drill a test well. Oscar gave them permission, and they drilled a well, and they discovered 
oil. Then they drilled another well and got more oil. They drilled other wells and they produced oil and suddenly everything changed. The oil company signed a contract with Oscar to drill the oil and they paid him huge sums of money. Hey! Somebody shout hallelujah. For the first time in his life, he didn't have to work. He didn't have to worry. He didn't have to struggle. He bought his first house, 70 years of age. He and Lorraine used to and began to enjoy their new fortune. Overnight, Oscar Stoller had become a millionaire. But the fact is, he was already a millionaire. He just didn't know it. The oil was in the ground since. He owned the land since. The wealth was there since. He couldn't receive what he didn't perceive. Oscar Stoller was living in poverty while he was sitting on top of a vast fortune. He just needed to learn how to tap into the source of his supply. And there's an amazing truth for all of us because millions of people are just like Oscar Stoller. We're living in poverty when we're sitting in a kingdom that is the greatest, richest, blessed kingdom ever, the kingdom of Almighty God. Just like Oscar Stoller, there's many of us who have never tapped into the promises of God. We've never tapped into the power of God. We're living like we're paupers when our God is the creator of heaven and earth. But you won't receive what you don't perceive. See, the fact is my God is the God of more. His promises are vast, untapped wealth. His promises exceed anything you can get in this life. My God is ever able to give you everything you need. If you believe it, shout more. But in order to get those riches, you have to release them. So let me give you fuel for your faith today. Let me urge you on to expect more. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2.9. My Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And let me tell you today, I've been preaching the gospel for 47 years. I've seen a lot. I've seen the sick healed. I've seen the dead raised to life. I've seen churches planted. I've seen prostitutes delivered. I've seen drug addictions broken. I've seen God do miracles. But my Bible says I haven't seen it all. There is more. And I've heard a lot. I've heard testimonies of revival. I've heard testimonies of God moving. But my Bible says I haven't heard it all. There is more. And I've dreamed and I've imagined of building great churches and preaching the gospel and doing great works. But my Bible says, I cannot imagine and I cannot dream everything God wants to do for there is more. Somebody shout more. Ephesians 3.20 says, He is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. He's a great and mighty God. There's no limit to what He can do. There's no limit to what He can do in your life today. He's the God of more. Even Jesus expected more. For the Bible says in John 10, 16, he said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. So Jesus himself knew there was more for his kingdom. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Did you think God is stagnant? 
Did you think his kingdom is just stagnant? Did you think you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be thousands and thousands of years of the same old, same old, same old? There's going to be new songs in heaven. There's going to be new anointing on the worship team in heaven. There's going to be new miracles and powers and the kingdom of God is going to grow. There's going to be greater blessings for Kobe Sarpong and his wife. There's going to be greater blessings for the people of God. For the increase of his government, there shall be no end. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Somebody say greater works. Because I'm going to be with my father. Jesus said we're going to do greater works. That's more. Didn't he raise the dead? We're going to raise more dead. Didn't he heal the sick? We're going to heal more sick. Didn't he deliver sinners? We're going to deliver more sinners. Didn't he build a church? We're going to build bigger churches. Because there is more. And we know. God is not finished because Apostle Peter says this in Acts chapter 3, 19 to 21. Listen, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then, somebody say then. After that, times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Listen carefully. For he, that is Jesus, he must remain in heaven until the time of the final restoration of all things. Hallelujah. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Now think about this. Peter had been with Jesus. He walked with him for three years. Peter was there at the empty tomb and saw for himself. Peter was in the upper room when the Holy Ghost came with fire and with a wind and with the speaking in tongues. Peter experienced a lot. Yet he says, there is more. There is a restoration. Something still lacking. Something still missing. And he said, we will know when the restoration is complete. And everything God wants for us has happened. Because that's when Jesus comes again. So as long as Jesus is in heaven, there is still something First comes the restoration, then his return. First there must be showers, then the sun. First there must be the outpouring, then his appearing. First comes revival, then Christ's revealing. And as long as Jesus remains in heaven, there is more. Oh, we need revival today. We need to wake up. We need to tighten our belt and tie our wrapper. We need to get serious with God. We need to get down on our knees and begin to pray because we have not even experienced one small fraction of what God has for us. During this 14 days prayer and fasting, I want to encourage you to get here every day and begin to fast and pray. Some of you need to start fasting. Some of you need to start praying. Some of you need to start giving. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. This is a time to get serious. This is a time to get hungry. This is a time to begin to expect more. This is a time to begin to say, Lord, do it in my life. Do something greater. I've seen miracles, but I want more. I've seen blessings, but I want more. I've seen great things, but I want more. I've said to God, I have a wife and six children, but I... Oh, never mind. No, 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 no. There is... 
See, you can believe God for more because of who he is. He's the God of more. He's the God of great expectation. He's the God can do miracles. He can do greater things, and we need to expect more. That's why David said in Psalm 62, 5 and 6, My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and I shall not be moved. And why shouldn't we expect more from God? He's the Almighty. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the one who came down and bled and died and rose again. He conquered Satan. He conquered sickness. He conquered sin. He conquered death. This is the great God who made you and gave you life. And I believe he wants to give you more. That's why the Apostle Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 1.3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy, somebody say mercy, that we've been born again. Hallelujah. And then it goes on to say, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live. We live. We live every day. We live every week. We live every month. We live with great expectation because of his mercy, because he raised Jesus from the dead, because of who he is, because of what he does. We can live every day with great expectation. Every day, every hour, this week, this month, to the end of the year, next year, we can live with great expectation from God. In fact, the Bible encourages you to have great expectation. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3, 8 and 9. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory? Tell your neighbor, expect. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? So if God did great things in the past, he's going to do more right now. If God parted the Red Sea in the past, he's going to do more right now. If God healed the sick and raised the dead in the past, he's going to do more. If he caught Paul up to the third heaven, he's going to do more. If he built a church and thousands came, he's going to do more. If he provided miraculously, he's going to do more. And I declare to you today, let the omnipotence of God be the measure of your expectation. Expect more. But see, expecting more is just the first step. If you just stop at expectation, you won't reach the more that God has for you. For when you expect, it is seen in your action. If you truly expect more, you will act in accordance with your expectation. That's what we see from 1 Samuel chapter 3 in the story of Samuel, the little boy. We know that God had called him. His mother had dedicated him. And so she took him to the tabernacle to grow up. But in those days, the people of God were backslidden. Hey! They were living in sin. The priests were fornicating in the house of God. Hey! Stealing money. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. That amen was too weak. And because of that, there was no open vision, no prophetic word. God stopped speaking to his people. So little Samuel comes to live in the tabernacle. He doesn't know that God speaks. He doesn't know prophecy. He doesn't know the word of God. He was serving the high priest, but there was no open vision. So one night, Samuel went to sleep. He laid down on the bed, and God called to him, Samuel, Samuel. He didn't know God spoke. 
and you cannot receive what you don't perceive. So he thought Eli was calling him. He jumped up and ran to Eli. said, Eli, sir, daddy, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He went back the second time God called Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up because he couldn't receive what he didn't perceive. He didn't know God would speak. He ran to Eli. Sir, daddy, you called me. Eli said, ah, you must have eaten some bad kinke. Go back to bed. He went back to bed the third time. God called Samuel, Samuel. He got up and said, Daddy, please, you're calling me. And suddenly, Eli said to himself, wait, oh, maybe this is the voice of God. Because I remember in the day when God used to speak. I remember in the day when we had open vision. I remember the time we had prophetic. Could it be that God has come back? Could it be that God has visited his children? So he said to Samuel, if you go back and lie down, if you hear the voice again, jump to your feet and say, yes, sir, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Someone said, eh, eh, what, what in, eh, God can speak, you mean God speak? you mean God speaks, I never knew. Samuel went back to bed. His heart was pounding. His hands were shaking. His legs were shaking. He went back to bed. Would he call again? Would he call again? Will he call again? He went and laid down and suddenly heard Samuel, Samuel. And because he perceived, he could receive. And he jumped up and said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He acted according to his expectation. And when you expect more, you'll begin to act. And that brings us to our second step today. You've got to make room for more. Tell your neighbor, make room for more. Listen to how Paul continues in verse 13. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And hear what the Apostle Paul is telling us today. Because there's more, because he expects more, he has to make room for more. He is burying his dead past and he's reaching for a brighter tomorrow. He turned his expectation into action and made room for more. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Expectation always produces action. When you expect something good, you will act on it. You will do what needs to be done to make sure your expectation comes to pass. You may not know what God will do, but you will never find out if you don't get up in faith and begin to act. No prayers were ever answered if they were not prayed. No seed was ever blessed if it was not sown. No man of God was ever anointed if he didn't come and preach. No ministry was ever blessed if they didn't stand up and follow Jesus Christ. And your faith may be small, but anybody can make room for God. Years ago, a man called me on the phone, Pastor. I said, yes, sir. He said, come and see me. I have a seed to sow. I knew the man was rich. Oh, hey, are you with me today? I knew the man was rich. He get money plenty. I knew he was a good man who loved God and loved me. So when he called and said, can you come? I have a seed to sow. I expected, so I acted. I went to the house and he gave me a seed and I was blessed expectation always produces action. My wife told me she would marry me on Saturday, November 20th, 1982 at 10 a.m. at the Assemblies of God Church in Novato, California. And because I expected her to marry me, I showed up. And I showed up early. And I showed up looking good. Hallelujah! 
That's why we have six kids. And she showed up too, thank God. And this Sunday coming, we celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary. Somebody shout more. Expectation is the first step to receive more, and expectation always produces action. That's why I'm here today. I showed up today because I got invited, and I expect God to move. I showed up today, and I expect souls to be saved, Amen. and bodies to be healed, Amen. and people to be filled. Amen. I expect demonic bondages to be broken. Amen. I expect financial breakthroughs to come. Amen. I expect jobs and contracts and visas and the things you I'm expecting more weddings uh, like what we celebrated today Amen. because God has something more. And I showed up today because I have expectation. And when you have great expectation, you will show up. For true expectation is not just wishful thinking. It's not just daydreaming. It's more than hope. It's more than a dream. True expectation makes you make room for more and moves you to your goal. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. The action of faith begins before the outcome of faith is seen. Many years ago, when I was living in my favorite country, Nigeria, <laughs> that's my favorite country after Ghana. We were planting churches all over the Delta state of Nigeria. God was moving. Souls were being saved. Churches were planting. And I sent one young man named Friday Okoro. And he went to plant a church in the village of Elume. And I started hearing reports. I started hearing testimonies that God was using young Pastor Friday. And he was preaching and people were getting saved and healed. I started hearing about revival. So I jumped one day in my Peugeot 505. And I drove, drove, drove from where I lived in Efroon to Elume. And I got down from the car. Pastor Friday met me. He started taking me all around the village. He was showing me people who had been saved and healed. He's pointed out places to me where he'd gone to preach. And I was so excited. We ended ended up back in the church and we got inside the church and he was telling me daddy every Sunday every seat is full daddy every Sunday the place is packed God is bringing revival then I said pastor let me ask you a question are you praying for more souls to be saved in this village of Illume he said oh daddy I'm praying I'm praying for revival I pray that every soul in this village will be saved I looked at him I said son God will not answer your prayer hey he started shouting, Daddy, don't say though, don't say that, don't say that, Daddy, why, 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 Daddy, why? I said, God will not answer your prayer because didn't you tell me on Sunday every seat is full? Then if God answers your prayer, where will the people sit? You have to make room for more. God will not answer your prayers till you push out the walls and build more benches because the action of faith begins before the outcome of faith is seen. A few years ago, a young swag guy came to me at church. He was looking good. He was smelling good. He said, Reverend, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay, son, what do you want me to pray? He said, Rev, I want you to pray that I'll get married. I said, okay, 
I started to pray for him. As I was praying, the Holy Spirit stopped me. Hey! And the Holy Spirit said, don't pray for him. Ask him a question. And when the Holy Spirit showed me the question to ask him, I went, wow! Hey, Jesus! Are you sure? God said, don't pray. Ask him a question. I said, son, before I, I'm going to stop praying. Let me, let me ask you a question. The Holy Spirit said I should ask you a question. Are you ready? He said, yeah. I said, please, what? Please, what? Please, what type of bed do you have? He said, Reverend, what, what, what type of bed? I said, he said, I have a single bed. I said, I'm not praying for you. Go and build a family bed. When you build a family bed, come back and talk to me. Because the action of faith begins before the outcome of faith is seen. I prophesy to the bachelors in the house today. Go and build your family bed. Go and get ready. Expand at the borders of your tent. And God will give you a wife. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you want to cross the Red Sea, you got to get to the shoreline. If you want to get a touch from Jesus, you have to get where Jesus is. Faith acts before mountain moves. You cannot wait for the manifestation before you give God your action. You can't expect a harvest if you won't sow a seed. Walking by faith begins with a step from you, not a push from God. So take the first step. There may be a thousand steps between you and your destination, but take the first step because as you take a step, as you walk in faith, God is going to come along and give you the power. He's going to push you and move you and drive you and motivate you into your destiny. See, sometimes you're calling on God, but God is calling on you. Sometimes you're waiting on God, but God is waiting on you. Sometimes you need to stop praying and Start acting. Hey. That's what happened to Moses. Moses was at the Red Sea with the children of Israel. The Egyptian army was coming with their chariots and the people were panicking. And Moses stood and he started praying. He was crying out to God, Oh Jehovah, oh Jehovah, oh Jehovah, save us. But listen to what God said in Exodus 14, 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. God said, stop praying and get moving. And when Moses lifted his rod, and when the people's foot touched the Red Sea, suddenly God moved, and the impartation came, and the waters were parted, and God moved and blessed and delivered them. And I declare to you today, if you will get up and act, you will see God move. If you get up in obedience, you will see God move. If you procrastinate, your mountain will remain in place. So do not delay. Do not procrastinate. Do not say, well, one of these days, some of you say, well, one of these days when I get a better job, then I'll start to pay my tithe. Hmm. One of these days, I'll come to the fasting and prayer. One of these days, I'll start serving God. But Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect weather, you will never plant your seeds. If you are afraid that every cloud will bring rain, you will never harvest your crops. And most of us need to start acting in faith. Do what you can with what you have where you are. And your faith 
will move God to do the rest. Nothing is going to change till you do. So start expecting and make room for God. And that brings us to our third truth today, press on to more. Listen to how Paul tells us in verses 12 and 14. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Hear the fervency in Paul. He's pressing on. He won't give up. He won't turn back. He won't be denied. He's going to get more. He expects more. He's making room for more. He's forgetting the past. He's reaching for more. He's achieving more, receiving more, and experiencing more. For you see, with his eyes on the prize, with his eyes on his reward, he can ignore the temporary setbacks. He can ignore the temporary difficulties. Because when you get your eyes on the prize, nothing around you matters. You won't be shaken by politics. You won't be shaken shaken by inflation. You won't be shaken by the things in the neighborhood. You won't be shaken by what you see in your family. You won't be shaken by the doctor's report. You won't be shaken by the lawyer's report. When you keep your eyes on the prize, you'll keep pressing. You'll keep pressing. You'll keep pressing because there's something greater ahead. And when the world around me is crumbling, a thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at right, right hand, but it will not come near me because I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I will not fear. I will not turn Turn back. I will not stop. I will not quit. I will not give in to discouragement. I'm pressing forward. For though the mountain is high, it's not too steep. And though the road is rough, it's not too hard. And though the valley is deep, it's not too long. And though the river is wide, it's not too powerful. For one day, as I press on, as I press on, as I press on, God will give me Every tear will be wiped away. Every hurt will be a distant memory. Every disappointment, we will laugh. We will come to the end and receive our prize. And though I cannot see him now, I will press on because I know my God will reward me. For when you adjust your focus, you can be determined. When you adjust your focus, you can endure any difficulty. When you adjust your perspective, it changes your affections. That's why Paul says in Colossians 3, 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Change your perspective. Focus on Jesus and your affections will change. Don't focus on this world. Focus on God. See, my dream home is not some luxury villa in a gated community. My dream home is a mansion in heaven. My dream ride is not a BMW or Mercedes Benz. My dream ride is the chariots of Elijah and the fire of God. My dream vacation is not New York City or London. My dream is to walk the streets of gold. Take the world and all its pleasure. I have a more enduring treasure, and I will press on. So let us press on. Let us expect more. God says to me right now, he's not finished with you. He said to tell you he's not done. He's just getting started. And God came to tell you today that your expectation is too low. You're aiming for this. You're praying, God, just give me this. God says, I want to do double that. I want to do triple that. I don't want to just give you a job. I want to give you a better job. I don't want to just put a ring on your finger. I want to give you somebody who's going to love you like the queen you are. Come on and say amen. I'm going to do more than what you can do. So make room. Begin to 
to act in faith. Begin to do what God wants you to do. Step out with those small steps and God will meet you and press on. For Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Press on in faith. Press on for God's plan. Press on for God's vision. Press on for more. For great men and women are not just people of great talent or great anointing. They are people with great determination. That's the lesson we can learn from the great basketball player, Michael Jordan. During his basketball career, Michael Jordan scored 32,292 points. He earned six NBA championships, five NBA MVP titles, and made 14 All-Star Game appearances. He is by acclamation the greatest basketball player to ever grace the courts. But before he became famous, Michael Jordan became determined. See, way back in 1978, he was just a 15-year-old boy in senior high school. He wanted to make the basketball team, but there were 50 other students who wanted to make it, and there were only 15 places. Michael Jordan was 5'10". He couldn't dunk at that time. He tried out, but he didn't make it. The coach posted a list of the 15 people who were selected and pasted it on the locker room door and Michael Jordan ran down the hallway to see if his name was there and he got there and read every name and Michael Jordan didn't appear it was embarrassing not making the team Jordan later said he went home and says he locked his room and cried but then Michael Jordan picked himself up and turned denial into determination Whenever I was working out and got tired, I figured I ought to stop. I'd close my eyes and see that list on the locker room without my name on it, Jordan would explain. That usually got me going again. And before long, Jordan was making an impact. He made the varsity high school team. Then he made the university team. Then he made the NBA and became one of the greatest players ever. Right now, some of you are facing obstacles. You've been denied. Your name didn't appear on the list. Somebody turned you down. You didn't get the call. You didn't get the proposal. You didn't get the contract. And you're sitting there saying, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I'm here to tell you today, get your umbrella out. Expect more. Because the action of faith begins before the outcome of faith is seen. And make room for more. Get rid of the junk in your life. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the compromise. Start coming to church, praying and fasting. Start giving. Start doing the things God's told you to do. Take that one step and see God break through in your life. And do not give up. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Keep pressing. Because there is more. Expect more. Make room for more. Press on to more. Hallelujah, Jesus. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.